0: as he comes to minister the word. Love you.
1: I have felt old sometimes in my life. This is one of them. No, thank you, Pastor Darrell. I'm thrilled to be with you. It's like coming home here. I look and I see Pastor Darrell Sr. I see Harry, see the others that I've known for years just feels like this is another little home for me, and I like coming back here. And I like it because you pay for their ticket, and you, you feed me when I'm here, and it's just a nice place to come, I'll tell you there. <laughs> I was a different type of a preacher. I wander when I preach. And if you're not getting it, it's probably because I'll come down, I'll look you in the face, and I'll say, did you get that? <laughs> and I, I work with you to make the sermon shorter. Most of us are tired of long sermons. My sermon tonight is five hours long. I've chopped both ends of it off, but it's still got three hours in the middle. So you're going to have to help me. And the way you do that is when you get the point, you say, amen. And I know you've got the point, and then I go on from there. If you don't say amen, I'll tell you the same thing over again. You won't know it. I'll just change the language but I'll tell you the same thing over and over until finally somebody says amen. I'm listening till somebody says amen and you get, okay, so you got the point. You've got to work with me. Tomorrow I'm going to, they've given me liberty to do anything I want and the, within reason, uh, tomorrow I, I think there are so many of you that are acquainted with the background of the Cornwall world, I'd like to talk a little bit about it. Why? the Cornwalls are what they have been. Now Judson's dead, so I can say anything I want about him. Uh, my sister Iverna has retired, and she should have retired a long time ago, so I can say anything I should. <laughs> my brother Jim has got a bad situation in his body, and he's walked around like this. That's my kid brother, 10 years younger than I am. So he, he's in a church that's retired him. And my brother Tom, he up and died on me with cancer the other day. So that's the background of my family, but that doesn't give you the foreground. I'd like to tell you some of the things that have happened. And I'm going to give an incident tomorrow in the service. Where's the pastor? Okay. I have to have your permission on this. I have never told the story publicly that I'm going to tell tonight or tomorrow night. It is in a newspaper newspaper. But you have to go back in the newspaper to the year of 1900, and they're still there. And I'll tell you all about it, because it influenced so many hundreds of people. What happened back there in the year actually brought to life over 700 people that would have been dead if it had not been for what happened that night. And right smack dab in the middle of that whole thing was a man named, well, it was my dad. And I want to talk to you about my dad tomorrow night. You see, the reason for that is I am getting older and I feel that the greatest thing I can do is pass on a legacy to the younger people and dare to say, I'm here yet today because of what happened back there. And it's not my fault, it was my opportunity. I was forced into this, and if you don't know that, you don't know my mother at all. I was forced into this and pounded so that I would learn it. But the, the result thereof is the fact that I have pastored and will pastor till I drop dead. I hope that my last sermon is the, it, uh, comes, my, my last breath comes just in my last sermon. I just as soon die and drop dead right there and be through, no matter where I am. In fact, I've taken out insurance policy that if I drop dead here, you don't even have to ship me home. Locally, you sh- you the local will take care of me. Because there's no sense wasting my money back home. Bury that thing and let's get out of here. But I'm a child of God. And my greatest expectation is that Jesus is going to come. I've got a prophecy for you. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the trump of God will sound... And we that are alive and remain will be caught up with well, those who are dead to be with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Isn't that a great prophecy? Yeah. I just thought that went up. <laughs> <laughs> Let us recognize that we are living in momentous days if we will live in those momentous days. Or we're living in tragic days, depending on which direction you're looking. You say, well, our world's in a mess. Our world has never been in a more of a mess than it is now. You just know how no bad it is. Tell Jesus about it. He came to a lovely world and brought peace to the world, and everything went well and Caesar bowed down and kissed his feet. Come on, you 're talking about the Son of God, who was born of a virgin who came into the world and left it in bad shape as when he came. Your burden is not to the world. your burden is to the people of this world, and let's take the message. Forget about the elections, and do it, vote, of course you're a good American, but forget about taking that to your pulpit. Take Jesus Christ to your pulpit, and dare to believe him. Now, you got used to my voice enough that I can go ahead and start preaching? Let me tell the story, just to warm you up on my father. My father and I were the two smartest ones in this whole family, They rest didn't he, he could hawk and I'd spit. He was just that close to me. My dad, I loved the first deer I killed. I, I thought, well, dad's going to have a fit. But I killed it anyway because, after all, I was nine years old. And we had that kind of a relationship all of our life. And that, we'll pick that up in the story tomorrow. That's just to bait you. But to show you the kind of dad he was, my mother had a little phrase. Wait till your father gets home. Well... We waited till father got home, and now dad's on the spot because he's got to, he married her, and so he's got to put up with. So I was sent to my room this particular night without dinner, big deal, macaroni and cheese again, but I went to my room again, and I'm, I'm there waiting for dad to come up, and I know what's going to happen. He's got himself a long switch, and he comes in and he said, Robert, it's your time now to get your thranking. I said, I know. I know. He said, get up on the bed. I got up on the bed. And my dad got a great big quilt. He folded it twice and put it over my butt. He says, now you yell, wacko, wacko. I'm, so- I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Dad. I'll never do that again. I'll never. Know. That was my daddy. He loved me so much. And I loved him so much. And the story I'll tell you tomorrow, you'll see what kind of a man he was, clear to the core. You say, well, he shouldn't have done that. Well, you can't tell him now, he's dead. You can't tell mom now, because she's dead. can't tell Justin, because he's dead. I guess you just might live with it. Old man Cornwall told you a story that's true, and it sure wasn't the way to raise a family, but here I am still praising God. I've had a debate as to what to do tonight. Not tonight, but before I came. And I think I want to talk to you about something that we preach, but really don't believe is applicable to us. We we get to a certain point in our Christian development, we feel that we're past a point where anything can really bother us in the call of the world. After all, we're blood washed. All of our sins are under the blood. We are filled with the Holy Ghost, and we still speak in tongues. At least I do. I said, "We still speak in tongues and glorify God." Incidentally on that, well, the special while that go by, I won't get back to it, but learn to worship God in the language of your youth and in the language of the spirit. Worship Him there. Learn to do it regularly. Now here's the backside of it. Learn to worship God without expecting anything in return. You didn't get that. Lord, I pray you'll bless me and pour out your spirit. Give me a sermon, Lord. No, no, no. Don't ask for anything. Just come to him and worship him. Come to him and worship. And come to him and worship. And come to him and worship. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. You don't read your Bible then. It makes all kinds of sense. That's why we're here, to worship God. And when we learn to worship God, the other things take care of themselves. Something like it, seek ye first the kingdom of God in his right. Yeah, I think that's in your Bible. Either that in the Book of Mormon is one of the two. We would need to just learn to dare to believe God's going to take care of us and I'm going to take care of worshiping him. And let's learn to praise him and then come into worship and stay there and worship long enough to enjoy him. He said, well, I want something out of it. Yeah, that's a stingy American. Gimme, gimme, gimme. And tragically, we got Pentecostals who are preaching, praying this way. Lord, I praise your name. But they got their hands open trying to get something. Just praise God. Good times and bad times. Raise your hands the other way and just praise God. Come on, raise your hands. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. God, you're a worthy God. We work for you. Praise you, Lord. Worthy of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we worship God, and I decided well, since we are mature, mature condition of rottenness just before developing rot, since we are mature, we should have no temptations anymore. There are no temptations. So, since we are not tempted, we're not going to fail. So let, let, let's look at it together. Now, I can call the verses, and you can look up the addresses. And uh, I like the way the preaching is going today. They turn in your Bibles, and then they put it up on the overhead, and they tell you exactly where it is. By the time you get to the end of look at it all, all, you've forgotten where you was going to go in the first place. I just use the Scripture and tell you whereabouts to look it up. And if you can't find it, it they'll keep you studying a little longer. And one of the greatest evangelists you've ever seen was named Billy Graham. He never did quote a verse. He'd always say, the Bible says, and keep right on going. So can I steal some of his power and say, the Bible says. In temptation, the Bible says, for those of you that are Pentecostal, it's in 1 Corinthians. Twelve. <laughs> There's no temptation taking you But such is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Oh, I don't use that verse. I take that other verse. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I don't believe temptation should ever be on my step. Listen to another one. Let no man say that when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted, neither did he tempt any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away. Watch the word away. When he's drawn away of his own appetites, his own lusts. And when lust is conceived, it produces sin. And when sin is finished, it produces death. Do not err, brethren. It will always be, you didn't amen me and I had good verses. I quoted so many and you didn't even do a thing about it. Do I have to go back and quote them all over again? Give me an amen, I can get off of it. So the scripture speaks very boldly of the fact that there's temptation. Now, let's clear it right now so that you're not feeling connected at all. I don't believe any of you war with temptation to yield. But there's something about temptation that we fail to recognize even when we don't yield. And that's what I want to talk about. And I'm going to tell you a fish story. You say, well, go ahead and preach. No, let me tell you a fish story. I have a brother, Tom. Oh, he's dead now, too. I had a brother, Tom. He never knew what rules were when it came to hunting and fishing. If he was fishing in an area or at a time he shouldn't hunt, the only thing he did is watch out for who came and saw him. But that was Tom. He... He went through a couple, three marriages, and I supported him two or three times, and on and on and on. But that's just what Tom lived a Christian life, spoken tongues, but I was just Tom. <laughs> I preached a lot right there, in case you didn't hear it, nobody said amen. Tom called me up. He was married to marriage, was it? Louise, and he said, can you come over to the Rogue River? I said, what you doing on the Rogue? I've fished with him on the Rogue before. He said, well, I've got a job. And I'm saying, oh, he's got a job. I got a job, what do you do? He says, my wife and I are house-sitting. We're in a mansion here on the Rogue River. And the only thing I have to do is make sure that a dog that is very sick that we have here will die before... They get back, and we'll bury it. And I'm saying, yeah, he'll be dead by tomorrow morning if I know my brother. (laughs) Bless your heart. Send you on to dog heaven. But uh, he said, we're like you and Shirley May. That's my wife. Now, Shirley May is the most patient woman on the face of the earth. She has lived with me all these years. She's my first wife. She's my last wife. She is older than I am and I kid her about it all the time. We have two cars at our house. I have mine, she has hers. Hers is a hot rod. It drives like a wild car. I won't drive it. She goes down the road, it's a yellow streak, and she's going, howdy, howdy, the way she goes. You see, my wife is 90 years old. She just doesn't know it. When she was 80, she did some skydiving and she's been up in a balloon and now she wants to go out and do that sail dancing. Or I'll, I'll, uh, I'll help her do that. You didn't get that. I'm not going to do that is what I said. I'll help her do that. I didn't go skydiving either. The only time I get out of a plane is when it's on fire and I'm in it. And I said to her, honey, it's time for us to slow down a little bit, kind of combine com- 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 our money together and save a little bit. Why don't we sell one of the cars? We're paying insurance on both of them. She said, I think that's a good day, a good plan. I like it that because you're always so far ahead of me on the planning. We'll cut down on expenses, the insurance. And that's good, isn't it? She said, yes. I said, I think we'll do that. She says, fine. How much do you think you'll get for your Lincoln? <laughs> In other words, the conversation ended right at that point. That's my sweetheart of a wife. And she puts up with me, and it's not hard for me to put up with her, because she's, uh, she, she's a great lady, and uh, I enjoy living her. I didn't say that. You didn't say man. It's, to those of you that sit down in front, you'll hear things that others don't hear. If you listen real carefully, there's always a second message going on. Going on. Now, can you tell me where I was? Hmm? So on the Rogue River, I knew, I just wanted to see anybody listening. He said, come on out. And I said, Where well, we go. So we had on our day off... Rolled up some groceries, because I've always taken care of them. <laughs> Rolled up some groceries and went out. And in through an area, a closed area on the Rogue River, we went past mansion after mansion after mansion. And finally into a closed area, they pushed a button and we drove in. And there stood Tom, like he was the owner of the whole place. He said, welcome to the, named the place it was. I said, thank you. He said, I have steaks. So we're going to cook a little later in the afternoon. But come on, let me show you around. And the crippled old dog came out, and we petted the And we kept on moving around the place. Finally, I said, uh, I'd like to catch a fish or two while I'm here. Nobody fishes this up a road because it's private. Oh, he said, that'd be fine. My pole's right there, and it's got a six-pound test on it. It's just for trout. I said, fine. I think I'll go. Oh, you ought to know this, bud. He goes to me, bud. You ought to know this. This is the time when the salmon are moving upstream. They're going up there to give their eggs. And it's protected, so please don't touch the salmon. If we catch one salmon, I'll lose my job. I'll go to jail. They've already talked to us about protecting the salmon. And he said, that beautiful waterfall there, they'll come and they'll jump up that and then go through the rapids. He said, but right behold those, right behold those waterfall is a beautiful hole. Oh, it's almost as big as this room. It's just loaded with trout. Just enjoy yourself. So I made the excuses to the family. I just needed to get a little recreation. And I went out. I found myself a nice little spinner. cast it a couple of times this way, sure enough, bang, first cast, that spinner was picked up and I set the hook, uh oh, <laughs> that's not a trout on the other end, I've hooked myself a salmon, no big deal, six pounds, I can pull off of him, but now let's change the dialogue. Let me become the evil one when I say, all right salmon, you bit, I hooked, now let me show you what I can do with six pound test. And I started moving that salmon around that pool. When he tried to go upstream, I'd just shake it a little bit and he'd move back he didn't want to put up with the pain of making the jump that he could have easily done. One flash of the tail, one snap of the head, and the six-pound test trout line would have been gone. But no, he's not hurting. He's in a pool of ease. He's already come up through the rapids. He's already come up several waterfalls. He's lived a tough life, and he's on the end of his life. He's going up still hill. This will be his last trip up, his last round, and so now he is easily persuaded to turn. I turn him again and watch to see if I can see him down through the water. That time I didn't, but I worked him again around. Went down toward the sandbar. I brought him around. If you're a fisherman, you don't you know what I'm talking about. And I eased him back around. And forty minutes later, I'm easing him around. And just easing him here and there. My brother Tom says, you didn't catch a salmon, did you? I said, oh, no, no. no, no. I, I just hooked him. I didn't catch him. <laughs> he can get away any, any time he wants. Well, just pull free from him. The law says you can't have a salmon during this season. I said, I know that. I know that. I know what the law says. You didn't hear the scripture. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted. Above that you're able. So now here comes a little hook in the jaw and around he comes again. And with satisfaction, and an hour and a half later, Tom is saying, shall we put the stakes on? I said, go ahead. I'm having fun. I'm playing a salmon. He's going around and around. He said, come on, let me watch. He said, yeah, come on, watch. He says, Bob, Dad, Bud, you're going to get caught. No, no, he said, I'll never pull him in. I don't have a right to him. The law says I can't land him, but it doesn't say anything about not teasing him. I'll control him for a while. Hello, some of you are so far ahead of me, you'll never catch me. And around we went. And two hours later, that salmon, that powerful salmon has lost its energy. And now it's slower. And I'm bolder. And I'm not putting a four-pound test. I'm knowing I have six. I give him a good five. Let him feel that. Somebody else is in control now. Oh, you're going to go downstream? No, you're not going to go down. No. <laughs> you can come right Pass me. Ooh, you're a big one, aren't you? But remember this, Salmon. I got the string on you. I own you. Oh, I know I can't take you out. And I know you got something to do. But I got a string on you. Did you forget to say, man, or something? Or did you leave me? Or don't you like fish stories? Or. What went wrong here? And around it went. We're gonna go ahead with the stakes. Go ahead. I don't care. I am enjoying this. Well, bud, you know I know what the law says. I won't I won't get you in trouble. Three hours have gone by now. And I still got a fish on the line. You say, why does that touch you? Because I've seen so many mature Christians, mature pastors who've gone many years and now are slowing down, take it easy. And they've said, I don't have to go there anymore. I don't have to be involved. Let the others go upstream and lay eggs and be productive. I've had my day. I'm now proud of myself. And I ease him over toward a sandy bar. And I need to see this salmon. I ease him down. Tom says, What are you gonna do? I said, I want to take a good look at him. He said, Don't don't touch him. Don't put your hand in his gill and lift him up because that I said, I won't touch him. And I brought over over the edge. The salmon laid over outside because it was so exhausted. And my brother Tom came down and he says, for Pete's sake, pull that line. I couldn't. He pulled the line and snapped it. And a salmon lay there for a moment. Then finally realized it was loose and eased back into the deep pool to rest up again. Oh God, Ministers, when did we go to sleep? What was it that hooked in our jaw that was so insignificant, nothing that it controls us? Something you don't even admit to, but it's there. I'm going to come right back there. I preach pastored for years I've pastored the dozens and I've pastored the thousands one thing I've noticed people will be convicted and then the service is over and they go out and the next time they come back they're not convicted they didn't take care of it they only heard it I had in my hand a cell phone I'm not real sharp with it but it works I have to charge that sucker or it doesn't work at all. You say, well, it's not very valuable. No less valuable than that when It's not charged. And I've learned something. When I get convicted of something in my life, if I don't take care of it at that time, I don't take care of it. I make an adjustment for it. I set up two terrors over by the cross. And I'm not going to ask you to do it because you're such a holy group. But if you were an unholy group, I'd say, if you have felt a conviction at all about anything, take care of it now, not out that door. Go in and just kneel down for one split second. Do you know how long it takes me to have four or five hours of conversation? Just a few minutes with a cell phone charged up, and just to kneel yourself before God and say, God, change me. Something's holding me back. Just change me, Lord. It's amazing. He'll reach down and he'll snap the line because you've made an open confession, not to anybody else, to yourself. And when you admit it to yourself, you're almost over the line. You've got it made. What do you think we are, a bunch of sinners? No, a bunch of preachers. All cut out of the same womb by the grace of God. But we need to take care of the small issues in our life at the time that they hit us. I'll take care of this later. Like your congregation, you won't take care of it later. you say you're crazy emotional old oh, man I know I am I just love preachers nothing disturbs me more than to see preachers being pulled round and around in the same circle over some dumb thing that's in the church some clothing a man who spoke up against it a problem that was there and that you didn't deal with round and around and you put up with it and you put up with it and you put up with it and it's not going to kill you but you're not going anywhere Who do you think has gone the other end of that line? It's not God. Let go of it. Raise up on your tail. I stood back. Tom brought me some cold dinner. And I watched for the salmon. She had sunk back down into the deeper water. I watched because I was really concerned now. I've taken it three and a half hours of its life away from it. It's supposed to go upstream and drop those seeds and do what it was determined by God it would do. It would bring forth new life. And I just told on that. I felt a little bit guilty. And about that time, three salmon came up over the ripples down below that hole. They flashed around in that hole for a little bit and I looked and there weren't three, there was four. Because the other salmon that was there suddenly has come to life. And together they turned and four of them went up that waterfall, boom, 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 boom. And even the one who had wasted his time caught enough life for the ones that were alive to move on up and do the job. It's time that we all salmon with a vision, with our heart. Stop running around in a circle and when the young ones come by and start moving on with God, let's move on. Let's see a move of God like we've never seen before. Crazy old man cries over a fish story. Wish he'd get a hold of himself. That's my wife's dream too. Wish I could get a hold of him. So, when do you take care of it? It's up to you. Under different circumstances, I would invite you to do what I've done only three times. That when something makes real to you that you should deal with it, that you get up and you walk down and you kneel at the chair, you stay for less than two minutes, and you get up and you come back because you've made the act. You acted upon it at that time and it will stay there for the rest of your life that you've dealt with that. And it's over. And then I would say nobody else has a right to know what you knelt for. That's your private life, preacher. But we need preachers need some stirring up once in a while to dare to say there's more ahead than there is behind. More ahead. Well... How does that work? I just used part of the verse. No temptation taken you, but such is common to man. The next word say, but God is faithful. Yes. There's no one on the face of the earth that he loves any less than he loves you. And you that have given your life to him, he loves you with a love so great. And that's why the little things that don't mean anything to anybody else mean a lot to you. Get rid of them because he loves you. The only reason there's God convicting you of things is because he loves you. You're his kids. And it's not going to send you to hell and it's not going to destroy you and it's not going to stop your ministry. But if it's not the very best for you, you'll feel the touch of the Holy Spirit say, don't do that. The answer Do you know, you know what the answer to that is? Yes, sir. I won't do that. Well, I've got to quit. I just started. Quick story and then we'll tie it together. Dad was an assembly of God, Pentecostal, hallelujah preacher. It worked for him. But he used to have evangelists in. My dad had evangelists in that I wouldn't want in my church today, but dad had them in. Of course, that may have been all that was available. I don't know. But they had one old boy who used to come. I don't know what his name was. We had one whose name was Hans Brett Snyder. He left Vallejo, California as soon as the war came on. That's where we were. He said, now the Japs are coming in. It was revealed to me by God. This place is going to be leveled out. So he took off. But the Japs didn't come. We've had some strange people prophesy some strange things. I don't know if I've got calluses on me or bumps or what, but until it happens, I don't get too worried about prophecies of doom. I happen to be a child of God. If he wants me to die in a lion's den, wonderful. If he wants me to feed the lion to somebody else, great. Whatever he wants is my desire. But we had another old guy who gets to come to the church and this was before Ball Heads was popular among men. This guy had a long head like this, and he didn't have a hair on it. And he had loose teeth. And he'd say, bless God. <laughs> <laughs> now, I had to play in the orchestra. There was Ray, and there was Jerry, and there was Jerry. They were all there. We had to get right below this guy when he preached because we used to have to stay there in the orchestra pit. It wasn't much of a pit, and we'd come and hear he'd come to his mouth. <laughs> Praise God for the big bass horn! Right, Bobby, you really know how to play that horn, don't you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sir. I have no idea what he preached. I can remember his characteristics, but one thing I'll never forget. He said, I have counsel for anybody that needs counsel from God come forward. And Ray and Ruth, he was a trumpet player, were having marriage problems and I knew it. Nobody else knew it. But I liked his daughter. She told me. And they both came down, hand in hand, get in front of this And so I sneaked over and suddenly we used to have an altar in the church in those days. I got down on my knees, and I'm praying for him. I'm really trying to listen to what he's saying. You say, you are awful. I've been that way all my life, and it hasn't changed. I want to know what's going on. And he said, listen to them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With his hands on their heads and said, what you need is more the Holy Ghost. Begin to speak in power of the god down tongue, tongues and down they went. The next one came down, and he listened to them and said, What you need is more of the Holy Ghost. Put his hand down there. More of the Holy Ghost. Every bit of his counsel ended exactly the same. What you need is more of the Holy Ghost. Church, what we need is more of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The power of the Holy Spirit that quickens and awakens. And there to take all the credit and the praise. Now, I'm head I have no idea. He's probably in heaven by now. All my old friends are dying, but he's off in heaven. But I'm wondering if he's standing on the portal of heaven, looking back and saying, "Bobby, I told you. Preach that they need more of the Holy Ghost." And So I'm preaching it to you tonight. We need more of the Holy Ghost. We need to learn to worship God and praise God. We need the message of tongues flowing from our lips, not to the church, but to God. I don't care how your restrictions are in your church. That's your government. I don't care about that. But there's no restrictions in talking to God in the language of heaven, in the language of I will speak with what tongues? And I will speak with my tongues and the tongue. I will worship the Lord. I'll tell you, when that happens, the glory of God floods your soul. And it may not make you a better preacher, but it'll make you a better believer. And that's really what's more important. I believe God for that. Well, praise God. I'm supposed to close this song, probably. That's what we usually do nowadays. You going to come play some music for me? Okay. Uh, if I could sing and play music like you, I could quit preaching. <laughs> We'd all be better off. Oh, did I read scripture to you yet? Well, what I said is right here in the big boom. So look it up. I was going to quote some of Revelation, but didn't get to it. And Daniel, but didn't get to it. I was going to talk about Job, but I haven't got there yet. How about... Where's my singstress? Oh, there. There, oh, there you are. How about Blessed Assurance? Could you go with that one? Oh. I know it's old as the hills, but so am I. Blessed Assurance. Do you know
0: what?
1: I don't hear you. Same verse. Do it again. Blessed assurance. Jesus is my stand with me. Oh, what a poor taste of glory divine! I'm an heir of salvation, purchased of. Five. such a low key that only the bass sound good this is part, this is for you ladies because we guys can't sing up there anyway but we sing that first part pretty good same verse same chorus. ladies be dominant here we go Less assurance. Jesus is Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, says hallelujah. side of your being is the Holy Spirit waiting for an opportunity to express himself in a greater way than you've ever allowed him before. He wants out. Bob Conger, first church I pastored, big old fat boy, got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, picked up his guitar, sang a new song. Something within me that holdeth the reins. Something within me I cannot explain. Someone within me that banishes pain. All that I know is there's someone within. He'd been saved less than two weeks, and now he's got somebody within him holding his reins. How about us? Shouldn't he still hold our reins? Hallelujah. Pastor, where are you? Come down here and take over this mess. These young pastors, they're so
0: capable of just covering for us old birds. Uh, yeah, Love you. What a good word. But I, I just i want to say this. I'm going to have uh, Pastor Bar- Pop... Just pray a blessing over us here for a moment, but I, I really want to—I really want to talk to you because the Lord was speaking to me back there. And Melanie, if we could just play a worship CD at the end of service, we're going to have some great teaching tomorrow morning, beginning and throughout the day, and into the next. And we're going to—we're going to have great words from the Lord. But let's not move so quickly to the next word without being obedient to the first word. And there are two chairs up at that cross. And I know that it might be hard to stand up in front of your friends and walk down to those chairs. So I'm just going to ask that they play a a quiet worship CD when we're done. And I'm just going to ask you to be obedient. If God told you to go up there, just to go up there before you walk out of this room, before we go to an afterglow and spend time together, before we go to the next word tomorrow morning, just bow your knee. Just be obedient. Um, So don't, don't walk too quickly to the next word without being obedient to the first one but, but Pastor I would just pray a blessing oh, over us met. we need it we need it we need it thank you receive it today Lord there are a lot of places that you send me
1: I feel like I'm the only one that feels the anointing and I come in here and everybody feels anointing what a great place to be What a great group of people who want you more than anything else. Now, Lord, I know what you can do to a yielded vessel. It doesn't have to be smart, it has to be yielded. You can make it smart, but we make it yielded. So we yield ourselves to you, to the wise God, our Savior. Be glory and dominion and power both now and forever.
0: In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Just wait on the Lord for a few minutes here. Pastor Bob just prayed. Yield to the Lord. It's the altar or Phil. Maybe you just want to kneel where you're at right now. Just, Lord, we just yield to you.